condition, my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, head? Oh, it's uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howe. Matt Weber and Trainee on the board. We got a couple guys here today. Uh, S&P Futures, we will get in a second here. The... Uh, uh, we were up huge. Another big day yesterday. The upside very, very quiet before the... Uh, Big CPI number this morning, but we were up, uh, and uh, you know, I think we will. I don't know. We'll see what happens today. But I'm, the the story is from everybody is that the inflation has now turned down. Everybody sees it dropping. Everything's fine, and uh, the Fed is going to not only stop going up, but they're going to go the other way. And uh, I'm not so sure that that's the case, but we will see today. And I uh, SP futures up 26, and Nasdaq futures up 75. Now features up 195. So this is very relentless to the upside. This is, uh, um, I don't know, I guess I could say contrived, but I won't. Do we have Mr. Brennan? I'm here, Chief. How are you? I'm doing all right. You, you're going to explain the, uh, the the market and what's going on in the world to me today? You, you always give me the easy questions to answer. Well, that's Why because do you do that? Why well, do you always give me the easy ones? I want you to give me a difficult question now and then. Well, because you're, you know, you're, you're, like, you're like the professor on Gilligan's Island. You're supposed to know everything. <laughs> Well, this one I can. I, I, I'm scrounging around the island for all of the uh, different materials, but I just can't find those crystals for the radio this time. Well, it's uh, you know, the um, it uh, it is one of the most amazing things I've seen. How the the entire market and the entire everything seems to be taken over by politics. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know the. I can't figure out what the end game of this is, Brendan. But I don't. I mean, it seems like it can't be all that good. I don't. You know, I don't know. It's a. Uh, yeah, I mean the whole the whole marketplace, the reaction that the market has uh, for political reasons, sure does seem to have shifted over the years to where it is right now. And so much, um, but you know, the other interesting thing is that neither side is willing to give any credit to the other side for anything that happens, or just acknowledge that what's happening now happens all the time to different degrees. Um, you know, it's never going to be a continuous upslide or upslope or downslide in the market. Things go up and down every day, and the economies are, are different every day. And yet there's no credence that if something is going up, it's because their policies have worked in the past, and if something goes down, it's because of the fault of the guy or the, or the party that's in office right now. Um, and I think that's contributed a lot to the uncertainty and also a need for immediate gratification. Um. Credit Suisse expects the Federal Reserve to pause interest rate hikes sooner than widely expected due to tumbling inflation. Tumbling. According to the firm's chief U.S. equity strategist, it will launch a powerful market breakout. It's actually what's being priced in the market broadly. Every one of us sees when we get on the gas station that the price of gasoline is down, oil is down. We even see this food. So reality is showing up in the data already, and that's the really big driver, and the market's going to go right back, and we're going to go back to uh, you know free money and all that stuff, and I just, uh, you know, I th- they they could be right, but I'll I'll tell you one thing, it, the inflation 
is not down. I mean, uh, well, how can I put it? I've, I've said it before, and, I, and people are misinterpreting, so I'm kind of, I don't know if I should get on this road, Brent. I think for the, in, the extent that the accelerator on the inflation is off. Money supply has been fairly steady for three, four months now, five maybe, and the, the uh, balance sheet has, has stopped growing. It's not going down there as fast as these guys say it was supposed to, but you can't believe a word they say. But having said that, the, the price level is still at an unacceptable spot, and most people can't, keep, can't compete with the price level. I mean, I think that they poured 35 to 40% money into the market over the last, in the, in the society in the last two and a half years, and the inflation is going to end up being, well, I'm saying the price level is going to end up being 35% higher than it was in early, in the, of December 2019. I don't, that's, that's just the math, <laughs> and I don't see how you get, you get around it. Now, whether they choose to just accept that and leave it, and guess what? The market's up roughly 35 40% than where it was then, too. So all you've done is, is reprice everything by dropping the dollar down. And, and yet nobody nobody anywhere wants to admit that. But it's it's sort of the math, Brennan, and it and it has for policy now, I I don't know what they should do, to be honest. What do you think? Well, you know, I as we've talked about in previous weeks, that there's no one solution or easy solution. I think that um that, that even people like Jay Powell, and I know you've got problems with, with Jay Powell's approach, that um, he's trying to take in all the facts and make a good decision for what he thinks will keep inflation under control and keep the economy growing at the same time. And, um, you know, some of the things he's doing will work and some of the things he's doing won't work. Um, but, you know, he probably has more facts than we're looking at right now with different interpretations. I, I can't you know, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. The things don't seem to make sense from our standpoint when we're looking at it. Um, but I don't think it's contrived that, that people are necessarily lying or cheating the system right now. I think that they're, they're really trying to do the best they can under the circumstances. Now, Why? It's qualified, it, it gets it's getting harder when politics get involved and the, the thought of, being unwilling to write out a rough spot or being unwilling to know that a good time won't last forever. Well, I, I, I'm sort of curious because we have, you know, some people on the show that are total conspiracy guys. And we have, but my question to you, Brennan, is, is out, of, out of all the guys on here, <clears throat> I mean, I think you're probably one of the brightest, if not the brightest, yet why exactly do you believe these people? I, 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 every time I look, the more I dig into the numbers the more I see absolute lying on a scale that I'd never even dreamed of. I, mean, I, I don't see well, I, <coughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think, to answer your question, you're looking at the numbers much more deeply than I am, uh, and much more frequent than I am. So I have to, you know, I have to defer to some of the things that you're seeing, and with your, with your background, you know, uh, you're in this all the time. So I, I do defer to you in some of the things that you're saying here. However, I take it from a more global political approach that um, that these guys who are in charge now are not out to destroy America or destroy the economy. I think they're, they've, they've been dealing with some things that are both internally driven and externally driven over the last couple of years. And things that were have never happened before in the way of COVID, in the way of shutdowns, in the way of supply chain things that have not uh, ever happened before, even during war times, uh, and I think that those things are taking it, are being taken into consideration. Sometimes interpreted correctly, sometimes interpreted incorrectly. Uh, 
um, now I can't I can't defend lying about numbers or numbers that don't make sense. I have to you know defer to you on, on that as well. But I think that basically uh, the the folks that are in charge right now are trying to stabilize as much as possible. Um, I don't dis- I don't disagree with that, but I think they the the think that well, the three criticisms I have, I, I just give I just lobbed two of them at you. In the last, I mean, what's the what's been the single biggest driver of inflation for every person in this country for the last twenty five years? For for people just not being able to uh, get the right raises, get the right health care. I mean, it, it has to be health care, right? Mm-hmm. It's twenty percent of the economy. By anybody anybody's look, correct? Right. Yet in their CPI numbers, it's six percent of people's baskets. Mm-hmm. So. If you were to go, if you were to go back twenty years and adjust that to twenty percent where it's supposed to be, what do you suppose healthcare has gone up every year for twenty years? It's got to be. I went. I went through astronomical. Astronomical. So <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, I guess I can't call it a, a lie, but what is it? Why? Mm-hmm. Whose job is it to tell us every friggin' month that it's six percent of the economy when it's twenty? And how, how does somebody pull that off? And who's the somebody who's telling them to do it? And I, I, I'm stunned at how it actually happens. And I, I'd like to find the the mechanism. Even even our conspiracy guys don't have a clue as to. I mean, clearly the people who go in and do the CPI stuff every day, I don't think they're bad people. I don't think they're crooked. I don't think a lower level guy going through the bills at the hospitals and figuring out how much hospitals charge is cheating. But someplace along the line, somebody's changing the number for twenty some years. I mean, I you know, I mean. I, 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 you know, I can go outside and it's pouring rain at the bear game. You're going to tell me it's not raining? I mean, it is. Mm-hmm. In, in the last year and a half, I mean, I know you don't dig through this stuff. What would you say that the price of home ownership has gone up? Now, I'm going to say Case Shiller is somewhere between 19 and 21% in housing prices, and mortgages are up 30%. Mortgages are up, but the bigger driver, I think, because of where we are as a society right now, is rental increases in various cities. Um, you know, there's an article in the in the journal just recently about the the cost. If you use the 30% figure that your rental income, your rental should not be more than 30% of your income, it is unlivable in many of the major cities around the country. Um, because in order, I think it was New York, in order to have 30% of your income going to rent, you have to have a salary of about $275,000. Now. You know the guy that works at Jimmy John's is not making $275,000. So where is he and his family living? Uh, and, you know, it's true throughout the rest of the country that while it may not be 275 that you need, it's a substantial amount of money that you need to just have uh, decent housing in the cities. You're also right that, that the rental factor is long-term. You know, we, we talked, you mentioned before about the price of gas going up and down a couple of months ago. It was just going up. You just heard in the news every day about how prices were rising to historic levels. Now it's been dropping, but you don't hear that as much. However, that's just short-term up and down. That's going to be volatile depending on what's going on in other parts of the, of the world and even with the weather here in the United States for refinery. But rents are a long-term thing. Mortgages are a long-term thing that get embedded in the inflation numbers to an extent that makes it much more difficult to correct course. All right, so... Uh, in the CPI number, by the way, we talked about that article yesterday. I don't know if you were listening or not. What do you suppose um, they have as a percentage of the basket of a person, and what do you suppose they have 
for the increase in the last year of rent of primary residence? The um, the rent in primary has gone up dramatically. I think it's often like 20 to 25% in a lot of these cities. Okay, CPI uh, has it up 6.3%. percent Mm-hmm. That's six point three, not twenty point three. Yep. And and the the, the you're you're talking about what percentage of your income it's supposed to be? They've got 30%. it. They've got it at seven percent of your basket. Mm-hmm. Well. Yep. So name me anybody. Name me anybody who pays. of that are are inaccurate. But these are these are glo- they're, they're 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 not even on the. On, I mean, who? Well, here's here's here, this is the uh, now on the on the owner side of it. Uh, if you're own, you own your own house, they use something called owner's equivalent rent of primary residence, right? Mm-hmm. Which is 23% of your basket, which is closer, right? Right. Uh, and guess how much they've got that going up in the last year? How much? 5.8. Um, yeah, um. Those, those, <laughs> there's, a disparity, there's a disparity there that, that I, I can't rectify. So my, I guess my question is, since you know more about government than I do, how does it happen? I mean, how, how, wh- where does that number get, I'll use the term, changed? I mean, it, it, what level? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't believe that Joe Biden picks up the phone and says, I want that number to be 5-8. I mean, I, I can't imagine that happening. But someplace, somewhere, you know, is, is it like Casablanca that I, that I put my finger in the air and the winds are running from Vichy? I mean, what... Someplace somewhere, and I know I know the dude who's actually coming up with the rent number is probably a smart person and read the same article you did. Yet he sees the the rent the rent part going out at six percent. I mean, someplace in in the bowels of somewhere between the person getting the number and the person publishing it, somebody's saying, eh, "Let's not make this twenty. Let's make it five. I mean, how do you believe any of these people once that starts to happen, Brennan? Well, that that's a fair point. Whether you believe them or not, and why do you believe them or not? And I and I, you know, agree with you that there's a big disparity in how those numbers are um, are appearing, both what are published and how they're used in the CPI. But um, and and I'm not going to defend that. I'm not going to defend and say that that what the government is doing with their explanations is wrong. But you know, all of the numbers are are put in there with a reason. On the government side, philosophies change from administration to administration, from Fed chairman to Fed chairman. I mean, there, there are things that are, are different in the approach, the philosophy that all of the leaders have. And, of course, everybody who's in office, especially this time of year, two months before a midterm election or two, two, years, two months before a presidential election, are going to try to skew the numbers in their favor. Um, that, that's a given. The idea is, though, that there should be a uniform approach, and um, and just let the people know what's really going on. However, I also think that the politicization has also made it worse because if there's even the smallest blip, uh, the party in power gets the blame and the party out of power says, we're going to do better, not, not even giving credence or recognition that maybe you wouldn't do better under the same circumstances and maybe you'd be making similar decisions uh, to, to cover up the numbers or make them look good. I think that's a polarization that uh, that is really taking stock in our country right now, on, bo- on both sides, depending on who's in office and who's not. See, I, that's that's the that's the conclusion that I that I constantly um, am, am pushing back against, Brennan. And it's that it, well, <laughs> I spent all Saturday night arguing with two right wingers, right? Uh, 
it, it, and, and Carl, Carl, you can blame Carl for this. He's got me looking at all this stuff way more long term. And when you do, it's it's all you, you almost want to be somebody who is a revolutionary for God's sake. Because if you look at, I went back to uh, one one Saturday it was snowing, so I did whatever research I could do on my own, Brennan, which isn't a whole hell of a lot, but. I essentially took three things that I think are the the most egregious of all this mess, and I went back to another, at the time. I think if you take the CPI number from 2000 to this was like two years ago, I did it to 2020. Um, the CPI, I, th- I think, you know, it's off the top of my head, was up like I'm going to say 25 percent over that period of time. So I went back and took it. Look what I some of the egregious parts. Now again, this is sort of sloppy. But I looked at the amount of money that, that companies spent, because obviously PTI does that, spent for insurance for their employees. And I was generous because most people have had higher deductibles along the way and maybe are actually uh, maybe paying a little bit for it themselves, but the deductibles are, are more important. I, have, I had uh, insurance costs going up roughly uh, 285%, so roughly eight times what, and now for that to be up that much and really it's it's 20% of what the economy is and they tell you it's 5 or 6 okay well that that's a big oops and then i looked at a, a higher education and, uh, and there's a there's a site where you can go and they take like every single college and i kind of did a blend it's up almost the same number running 2.85 and then i looked at since i couldn't figure out exactly how to get to primary education i said okay i'm going to be sloppy here i took um, essentially property taxes or state taxes, mostly property. And, I, and those are what? 40-50% education, right? And I looked in Illinois. <laughs> that, well, that's what they are, right? I mean, if you look at your... I mean, I don't know, you know more about this than me, but if you get the bill from Orland, it's, your, your schools are roughly half of your tax bill, aren't they? Yes. And, and the tax bills in Illinois, now again, other states might not be as bad, are up almost the exact same number. So there's three pieces of a huge pie that are all up damn near 300%. The CPI is telling you, say, it's 40 or 50 basis points. And if you add them all up in the CPI, well, first, the taxes aren't even in there, right? And if you add up the medical and the higher education, it comes down to 10 or 11%. So explain to me anybody who has taxes, education, and health care, they're only 11% of his or her basket. And, I, and this is this is through how many different presidents? So I'm not I, I'm kind of off the political part that you know that Joe Biden's doing it. Well, Trump did it. Obama did. Bush did. I, I just I don't understand how we've gotten to the point where the people we pay their salaries, their friggin' salaries, on a daily basis or, or decade long basis, lie to us. And I don't I don't understand why. I mean, how does how does that become ingrained? What what if you and I, Brendan, did a big long term contract for somebody who was going to build? houses for a decade or or deep tunnel for a decade or something like that and we were actually dumb enough to use the cpi as our escalator on our costs mm-hmm. i mean i mean when i when i did it at pullman the cpi was pretty straight nobody nobody argued with the numbers they, the, the cpi was 10 percent, and people go yeah inflation's about 10 percent it was you could actually use that for a purpose what if we'd have used that for the last 10 years and we're and we're building houses for people or something we'd be broke Yep, I, I agree with you. Well, then, what's, I, I, so I don't know what, are, are, are we sentenced to long-term government 
whatever saying whatever they damn well please. I mean, are we talking about the Vichy or I mean, uh, the wine, the Weimar Republic? I mean, what are we doing here? Well, I think that there has to be a hard choice made by the leaders, <clears throat> by political leaders of both parties, to take the pain in the short term to really put things out in the open as to how the definitions are are defined. Uh, how do you how do you really define the CPA? CPI, what is it that goes into the qualification to the to the um, to the various piece that either the CPI and be honest with that and know that in the short term there's going to be a very dramatic negative hit while that adjusts, but also believe that in a period of time, whether that's six months, six years, whatever the time period is, that transparency and consistency is better than trying to manipulate the system in order to win the next election. Well, I, I, I think that the, the people that are in the bureaucracy, are, 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 do they even care who's president, or they just do this for everybody? I mean, it seems like it, it's so ongoing, Brandon. It doesn't change when the, when you, when the, the, the guy in the White House changes. I mean, it's, it just, it's exactly the same as it was 15 years ago. Well, that that's interesting because... <clears throat> The, the people who are in the back office and the government office who have been there for 15, 20, 40 years um, are complex individuals. I mean, there, there's no uniform person that say, you know, this is the woman in the sundress who comes in every day and this is the guy in the white shirt and the black tie who comes in every day with a hold of the, the, you know, wear certain types of glasses and their hair in a certain way. But they all tend to, at lower levels, are trying to save their jobs, and move ahead in the system. And oftentimes that means going against what they think are their better judgment. I mean, that's been my experience looking at people inside government, that a large part of the people are uh, are reluctant to make big changes or offer big changes, in part because they get stamped down or fired if they do that kind of stuff. So well, I think well, that's there's an aggregation over the years to, uh, to transform. It is like turning the Titanic. It's a slow process to turn, but you're not seeing anything push back in the other direction to put it back in the old direction. Well, that's why I, I uh, I'm, I'm so, that's why this has got me so curious, as you can probably tell. I'm going I'm to say, Brent, it's like the CTA. You look at it and you say it's a, it's a ridiculously, you know, it's an inept organization, yet you get on a bus, <coughs> the bus driver, <laughs> guy or girl is very pleasant, does a nice job, doesn't crack up. I mean, eighty percent of the people are doing just what they're supposed to do. I mean, yeah. I, I mean I'm going to say that the, if you dig into this, if you've ever actually done the CPI thing and dug into it, I mean, it's it's unreal. I mean, you know, the the price of, of uh, brown rice, jasmine rice. I mean, anything you want <laughs> is on that list. So I'm going to say that the person who comes in and he's he's rice and noodles or something, I'll bet whoever it is, he or she, knows exactly how much. Uh, rice is or, or noodles or whatever the hell you're talking about and has and does an absolute job and it is not about to change the numbers when it when they leave his or her desk and yet someplace along the line somebody's saying ah we can't go at a 10 percent increase in rice this month and i'm just i'm dying to find out at what level that occurs and well, you know one way to look at that is is the price of rice being looked at on the shelf in aldi's or in whole food and how much of the population serves shops at Whole Foods, and how much shops at Aldi's? Um, so, when you're looking at the at the pr- prices, um, where are you sourcing that? Well, my, 
I, I'm not. I'm using rice just as kind of a, almost like a joke. But in 2000, you know, we're up to the point now, uh, Brennan, that if, if one one night stay in a hospital is probably equal to a third of a of a, of a median rent, yep, or a median salary of somebody. I think it might even be higher than that, based on what I've seen. Right, so numbers. right, so what I'm saying in, in 2000, I'm going to say it wasn't even near that. So are are we nope. supposed to collectively, you and I have known people who have been sick lately, or maybe we've even been in a hospital for a day or two? Are we supposed to totally ignore that? And if Joe Biden or Trump or one of these, whatever they are, tells me that you know they're, they're peeing on my shoe and they're telling me it's raining, I mean, at some point, when do we say? Quit lying to me. I, I, I guess that's my theme this morning. I'm sorry about that, but I mean, wh- I mean, who's doing it? Who can stop it? I don't even know. I don't have an answer for who can stop it, but I agree that that especially things like health health care and um, and housing costs are two big drivers that uh, seem out of proportion for our current society. Um, and of course, there's always a need or a desire. To have better medical equipment and better better medical care, the trade-off to the cost of that is um, is troublesome because uh, who is paying and what areas of the country are getting those services is not proportionate. Well, it's not uniform around the country. Oh God, no! Oh, it's not even. It's a. Uh, oh, we well, only got like a minute and a half. Hospitals, for example, that are closing in even parts of Illinois. You know, you're seeing a consolidation in the healthcare industry of the number of big hospital systems, both for-profit and the, quote, non-profit, unquote, uh, systems. They're just getting huge, and the, the prices are going up astronomically. I think we need to, we might need to discuss this later in the week, but it, or if you're available, we have to talk. Cause I, this, uh, I also want to talk to you, and I didn't get to it today, because I got on a subject and drove it to, down a whole rat hole, but... Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about this this uh, safety bill. I mean, boy, oh boy, it sure seems like as the crime rates are going up, <laughs> we're letting more people out. I, I don't know how many people think that's a good idea, Brendan, I, but I don't know that much about the bail bond system to talk about it, so I don't know. It's, it just seems like you, you're, re- you're looking at this stuff and you wonder, how, I mean, are people watching the news or what are they doing? Uh, that would be an interesting topic to talk about. Uh, my availability is going to be limited because we're leaving on Friday for two weeks to Africa. Oh, that's right, that's right. So, so I won't be here the next two weeks to uh, to discuss the safety bill with you, but uh, what I do ask you to do, if we're going to talk about this when I come back, don't read the flyers of those newspapers that come in the mail from uh, <laughs> that look like real newspapers for a while. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I've not. I've not read any of the pros, but I have looked at the uh, uh, the, the graphs and the charts, and I and they, they're sourcing the stuff from the CPS and stuff. So I got to believe it. The numbers are at least right. I mean, maybe maybe they aren't. I don't know. Uh, then again, I'm, I just was talking about how nobody prints the right numbers, so maybe they're not either, Brendan. Who knows? So now, here, let me explain something to you. Stay away from the hippopotamuses. They're dangerous. Stay away from the crocodiles. Stay away from the lions, which you probably figured out already. But hippopotamuses are way more dangerous than you think. I know. And they look like rocks. They look like stepping stones were in the pool because they, they hide. Uh, so we're really going to be cautious about that. The other thing is that, have you ever seen a giraffe, two giraffes fight? They're vicious. They swing their necks around and really do a lot of damage. It's like swinging a, a huge two-by-four uh, with a lot more force. Well, you don't want to be kicked by one of those boys. 
You don't, and you don't want to be kicked by a zebra or a wildebeest either. So you, why exactly are you going someplace where all these dangers exist? Oh, because it's there. Right. To, to see them in to see them in person. I'll tell you, I went to uh, well, as you know, I went to uh, to Africa in 2010 uh, to run the marathon, and I also went on safari. And I have never looked at a zoo the same way after being on safari and seeing these animals in the wild. It is really a phenomenal experience. Well, have a nice time and be safe. Um, talk to you when you get back. SP Futures up 28, NASDAQ Futures up uh, 88. So we're, we're pushing the rally again. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. 
Baltimore Pack, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Al. Mr. Matt Weber and his and his assistant Andrew. Andrew's going to be doing some traffic weather sports here. S&P futures are up 30. Nasdaq futures up 97. We're on a serious melt up now because everybody's convinced the Fed is going to be lowering rates, not raising them. Uh, pretty crazy stuff, but uh, you know we'll see. It may exactly play out that way. Every article, uh, inflation is gone. It's the, infl- the collapse of inflation. Well, anyway, you, you you heard it here first. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, the DAX. It's up 97.7%, FTSE up 38.5%, Kekaran up 46.7%. Over in Asia, uh, we have, these guys have reopened in China. Uh, Nikkei is up 72.2%, that's not up very much, they were up huge yesterday. Shanghai only up two points, call that flat. Hang Seng down 35.2%, still 19,323. Those guys cannot get moving at all. I think the Chinese economy is in bad shape, but... Uh, I don't think it matters that much over here. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 229, S&P up 43, NASDAQ up 154 on a very boring day. Just slow, just got there in the morning and pretty much hung there all day. Uh, bonds down 5 basis points, 3.30. The bond up 1, 1.65. Japan unchanged at 0.24. Oil, uh, but dollar 33, 89.11, threatening to go back over 90. Uh, Brent dollar 39, up a dollar 39, 95.39. Natural gas up 8 cents, 8.33. Arbob up 5 cents, 2.50. We've got gold down 30 cents. Been a nice run up yesterday. Silver unchanged, 1986, but it was below 18 dollars a couple weeks ago. So it has a pretty good run. Copper up five cents, 366. We've got crypto up 217, 22,632. That's uh, Bitcoin. And we've got the uh, U.S. dollar. It's now almost the euro dollar is almost up to 102 at this point. So it was 98. It's up almost four percent in like seven trading days. That's a real big. It's a huge move. Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. All right, it is 6.36, Tuesday the 13th. Uh, for sports, the Giant beat the Cubs 4-2. Oakland Athletics beat the White Sox 10-3. And the Diamondbacks, they came out on top at 12-6. Now for weather in Chicago, it is rainy, 55 degrees, with a high of 63 and a low of 55. It's feeling very cool today. In Phoenix, it's cloudy at 65 degrees, with a high of 97 and a low of 75. Now for Chicago traffic near Joliet, the westbound I-80 exit to Highway 30 is closed due to a semi-truck on fire on the exit. And otherwise, traffic is building on the inbound Stevenson, Eisenhower, and the Jane Adams as usual. That is all for now, Chief. Yeah. Do we have Mr. Joel? Yes, we do. Hey, Joel. What's up, buddy? Hey, so uh, so Maddie's out, and you got you got someone named Andrew Newguy. Yeah, well, Maddie's not out. He's still he's still with us. Oh, okay. okay. Un- uh, unfortunately, where'd Ellie, you rustle up? An- where'd you rustle up Andrew from? Uh, he, he came uh, off the scrap heap by Little Matt. Yep. Little Matt Byrne. They were they were roommates uh, over at the uh, Columbia. I, yep, he brought me in. He brought him in. What? So yeah, he's a good guy. Don't, don't Maddie's still the the person we're missing is Eliani, who. Uh, in one of her I performances, know, know. yeah. Did she get hurt at that concert? Yeah, broke her leg in about six spots. Yeah, oh, she's in bad man. shape. Oh, that's horrible. Real, real nice All lady. Right. What do you want to talk? You well, want to talk sports? So the, or do you want to talk the market? The kid at Notre Dame not only had a horrendous day, then he now he's had shoulder surgery. The quarterback. Oh boy! Oh boy! Owen oh, two start losing to the Thunding Herd. Yeah. Ah, uh, boy, oh, boy, the, the, uh, the shine has come off the Golden Dome of Notre Dame. Well, you know, they, they if they're going to play in the deep end of the pool, they have to understand that, you know, my buddies, of course, the emails are flying back and forth yesterday, or the text message. 
that uh, you know this we got this kid who's a second stringer. Maybe we should let the freshman cl- play quarterback. So I write back, you know, being the knucklehead that I am, I write back and says, guys, get with the new world. You need a quarterback next to you, you go get one. You find somebody with, with, with a year of eligibility and you bring him in next week. This is the pros now. This is no longer college. If you need a tackle, you don't try and recruit some kid. You go get one. Where, where, where am I wrong with the new world here? Uh, don't you, no, I mean, once the season starts, you can't transfer out. Uh, right? You gotta wait to the yeah. You gotta wait to the next season. I am gonna uh, let me ask you that question. If some kid played quarterbacks, say me, well, you know, I didn't, and I'm and I'm going to and I'm going to grad school, and I get the call and say, well, how would you like to start for Notre Dame next week? Why why can't I apply for the uh, school at Notre Dame and, and start playing? Okay, yeah, okay. I, I, mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm asking. Not sure how all those rules work, but. Uh, Michigan has the opposite problem. They got two quarterbacks. We talked about that last week. Uh, Harbaugh's going with the sophomore sensation, uh, J.J. McCarthy. Uh, I talked to you about it last week. I, I think he has better quarterback skills for the definitely for college. Uh, but um, Cade McNamara, I don't know. I mean, if Geno Smith can make it in the NFL, then I sure think Cade McNamara can, huh? Well, yeah. By the way, is a uh is inflation over by you? It is everywhere else, huh? Oh, I mean, it's it, it, it's uh, when are they going to start cutting interest rates? Is what I want to know. That's that's uh, what, you should be on national TV. That's all they're asking. When we when we go back to the good old days, pour money into the market and go up every day. I'll tell you, the street has uh, been leaning long into this report uh, since Tuesday of last week. Yep, uh, came off the Labor Day holiday and. Uh, also, did you notice that uh, the rollover was uh, kind of tricky this year because of the way the expiration is coming? It's usually the second Wednesday of the month, but the way the calendar fell, uh, it was the first Wednesday of the month. So we had the rollover last week. We always know we see some rollover hanky-panky. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, here we are. Uh, we are almost back to the pow pain high, Chief. Yeah. We are working on the bar of the Powell Payne High. Now, you know what I'm uh, referring to, correct? Well, fill in everybody else. Uh, well, uh, Friday, yep. uh, August 25th, you know, markets hanging around 4200 Uh Traded up that day to, four, well, actually under the December contract, I stand corrected. It was 4234 and a quarter. And uh, Powell came out and said, we're doing what we can to fight interest rates. And... There's going to be pain, and they took the uh, futures markets out. To, they took everything to the woodshed, and uh, and now we're, we're almost we're almost back up to that level. So I don't know if you know he seems to go to extremes, too too dovish, too hawkish, too dovish, too hawkish. Maybe he knows something that we don't know that you know this number is going to be in the seven. So. It better be good, or else it's going to be one ugly day on Wall Street because everyone's leaning long into this report. I'm going to say that the guy is being is pressured all over the place, and as soon as he said that, the calls started coming in and said, "My, my, my biggest backer owns 90 bazillion shares of Apple, and if it goes down, he's he's pulling his money." I don't I don't think there's any way that they get that they get out of this box and can actually govern properly. I mean, yeah. it, it, I, 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 it's tough. He's in a tough position. Uh, you know, I, I want to say I've, I've defended him, but I mean, 
you know, who knows what our monetary policy would have been if, um, you know, has not been for the pandemic, uh, you know, not been for a war in China, or not, wait, scratch that, uh, war in the Ukraine, uh, you know, China tensions, a lot of different things that he dealt with, and, uh, you know, here we are, um, you know, waiting for, waiting for the good news, I just hope it comes, that's to be be a rough day on Wall Street. Well, I mean, at some point, and I just was talking about it with Brennan, so I don't want to do it again. When, when are they going to bring some of the the stuff that we know has gone up and never been counted? When are they going to put the housing price increases into the, into the system, ever? Well, the rent's in there, isn't no, it? No, it's not. It's, it got up 6% hmm. this year, last year to this year. I think, I think housing has peaked a little bit, Chief. Um, you know, and I know it's not factored in, but uh, just the eyeball passed around here, around the metropolitan Detroit area. Um, it was just, uh, you know, a strict seller's market. Uh, it's turned a little bit. And, I, I would agree. Uh, I'm 100% percent agreement. It's not factored in. Um, you know, oil's come down. It keeps trying to rally. Uh, some of the commodities have come down. That's what I look at. I look at the true inputs. So, if you look at the inputs, it looks like it should come down. Uh, the way they calculate it, who knows? Well, I, well, that's my point. I, I, right now, I've been saying for four months that the the, in, the inflationary driver is stopped. the The money supply increase that they were doing during the COVID has stopped, but the price level okay. the price level has not gone anywhere, and they've never counted the the uh, to any extent. I mean, last year, home ownership has to be up thirty percent. They got it up six. That's a that's a big difference. Just saying. It is, Chief. I mean, we talk about this, you know, um, to we're blue in the face, but we can't we can't change what the statistics are. We can't change what the market does. Right. Um, you know, everyone talks about a retest of the low. I don't want to retest that. Oh, I don't either. I, I, I want to stay right here. So we'll see. We'll see what the market gives us, what the CPI is, and then we got the quad witch on Friday. Well, we'll see what number they come up with. Point in the markets as well. I uh, but but do you see us? Ever going back to the just just pour money in the system and market go up over the last few years? I, I no matter what it is, I think that game is sort of over. Where you know we're just going to pump I mean, the thirty five percent up in the market in two and a half years. I are, do people actually think that's going to happen again? I don't. I don't see the if the, what the Fed's doing right now. You're you're right that I think the uh, the inflation driver, even with them lying about it, is over. And I think you're absolutely correct about mm-hmm. that. But but that doesn't mean the price level is going to go down to thirty five percent. It's up. I mean, these houses are not going to go from four hundred thousand back down to two eighty. I don't see. Do you? Uh, no, no, they're not. They're not. But uh, no, I mean, uh, people have you know um, inflated of uh, expectations for the market because that's what the, the you know the market delivered off that pandemic low. Um, unusual set of circumstances, chief. But uh, you know, slow and steady, man. Three, four, five percent. Now you can get that. You know, you can get that money other places. You know, the, the team of trade is no longer dead, and I think that's yeah. one of the biggest biggest challenges to the market. Well, the good news is, is we've made money every day for our clients in the last week, so I mean, it's, it's not like I want it to crash. I sure as hell don't, but uh, I just I don't, I don't like extremes in either direction, as you've probably figured out, yeah. es- especially yeah. when they're orchestrated. Okay. All right. All right, take care of yourself, bud. Hot, All right, SP oh, Futures up 28, and is up 85. Be right back. Kenny Polkari.
distributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Uh, we have Matt and Andrew on the board. Some buttons flying around over there, but uh, I'll get the hang of it. SP Futures up 28, NASDAQ Futures up 87. Mr. Kenny, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. I understand that uh, you bought, what, last Tuesday right on the low, and you're riding your 100 E-minis all the way here. Yeah, where do you get your information? I just want to know who's giving up my secret. I, c- I couldn't, I can't, I can't reveal my sources. <laughs> Yeah, it's very exciting what the market's doing, right? Rally, rally, rally again ahead of uh, today's CPI, which I think is completely baked in. You know, there's this, there's this, this, this narrative going back and forth about, well, maybe they're going to change their mind after today. They are not changing their mind. Today's report means nothing to what the Fed is going to do. Now, it may be something in November and December, but today's report is not changing what happens on the 21st. 
uh, with a 75 basis point rate increase. It's just not. Um, I mean, if CPI comes in at nine percent today, which is which is well above what the expectation is, that that might change the report. But I don't suspect that's going to happen at all. I do suspect it's going to come in at eight percent, maybe even seven point nine percent, which would be really great. That's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not wishing that it will work. But I'm saying is, no matter what happens, the Fed is still raising rates thirty five basis points, and I think the market has clearly priced it in. So why would the Fed not take the opportunity to do that? Considering the market appears to be okay with it, um, I th- I think that the 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 story that you're hearing loud and clear everywhere is that inflation is now over, that the yep. Fed has no business raising seventy five basis points, more like fifty or twenty five, even of that, and they should just let it play out, and we go should go back to good old times, putting money in and the market going up. That's what everybody wants to have happen. Yeah, I mean, right? But I don't. I, I think that's a little bit premature because I actually think that we we run the risk of seeing inflation rear its ugly head up again. I think this could be a head fake in terms of inflation. I'm concerned that you know in November, December, January we see it rear its ugly head again. So that's why I'm still cautious. I'm not trying to be a party pooper. I'm just trying to be you know realistic. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm going to ask you because. Uh, I know you, you were only a young tyke, but you were around the last time we had the inflation. Kenny, yep. this, this is so much different than back then and in terms of like the last few years. Other, other than, you know, the, uh, I think the 8, 8% money supply growth since 2008, which was way too high, I think virtually all of that went into education and hospitalization. I mean, almost all the, the inflation increase was never counted properly. Was it went, yeah. went to healthcare, which hurts us all, but but most people don't notice it because you know your it's paid for by insurance. Your company's paid for it, it unless you're paying for your own stuff. You don't really notice it. We don't pay any attention to those people. But I've never right. seen anything quite quite like this, except for maybe like the Weimar Republic, where we we essentially went up forty percent in money supply in twenty eight months, and we right. and, and we have put exactly that into the system. And it's there. If you go down the line, virtually everything, at the end of the day, everything's going to be up 35% or more. Right. And, and, uh, and now we've stopped growing the money supply. We've, we're not doing what we're saying we're doing on the balance sheet, but it's still it's not growing. So we've essentially put the end of the accelerator, but now we've got this price bulge that you can tell yourself it's not there, but it's there. I mean, and we haven't even counted the housing yet. We haven't counted the rent yet. We haven't counted a lot of stuff yet, and maybe we never will. They'll keep telling us it didn't go up when it did. So now we've got this number that they're bandying about 8%, and we all know it's really like 12 right? But they're going to come out and say it's it's better today, which is just what the market wants to hear, and, and they're going to force the Fed to cut back because the, I think the, in the back of his mind, he figures, I only got two more months here before the election. I'm just going to do not going to do anything that's going to cause anybody to accuse me of, of uh, affecting the election one way or the other. And that's, I think that's front and center in a guy's brain. He could care less this month about the economy. And well, I, you know, it's interesting because is raising rates by 75 basis points getting in the way, right? Is that, is, are people going to accuse him of, of, in fact, trying to play politics? I don't think so because I think it has to happen. I, listen, I think it should have been more aggressive months ago. I think he should have gone 100 basis points back in, in the spring, but he wasted time, and now he's in this position, right? I, I think he should not have. He, he essentially funded 
a campaign to give everybody in the country a bunch of money. Well, and now some people did very well with that. And other people, the, the average schmo, they got a check for what, 2500 bucks. How much yeah. How much does this inflation cost him already? Five? He's, he's nowhere near ahead on the game. No, he's nowhere near ahead of the game. Not at all. Not at all. I think that's what, which is why I'm always, I, I'm always amused when people go, oh, the Fed's going to pivot. Oh, look, he's going to cave. Oh, they're going to pull back. They're going to start cutting rates in 2023. I'm sitting there scratching my head going, really? Well, I just don't see how they're going to, how they're going to pivot and or cut rates, at least in early 2023. Look at there, there are people that are saying inflation's not going to get down to four and a half percent until the end of 2023, well, which is another you know, 15 months away. Well, let's so let's I don't uh, see how the Fed's going to cut at all. Never mind pivot. Well, let, let's let's make a differentiation here between real inflation, which I think has not been counted, and I also think the real inflation right now has has pretty much stopped. But the way these guys do the numbers, they deny it. They deny it for so long. This thing, the same thing happened in the 70s. They deny it, they deny it in the numbers, and all of a sudden it gets in the numbers, and the numbers keep spurting out inflation long after there isn't any. But the question is, right. I mean, I, if, if you were Powell, you've got this, let's, let's say I'm correct, and we've got this 35 to 40% price bulge that we, that we now have. We just, we just got it. I mean, right, it's like, a, it's like a pimple on your head. It's just right there. And now we've got yep. pretty much the drivers gone. Now, are we going to attack the price level? Or just say, we're just going to have no inflation going forward, we're not going to push it anymore, and we're going to hope wages and people catch up. That would be strategy one. The other strategy is, they're never going to catch up. If We're going to have to, we're going to, have to attack these prices somehow. We're going to have to get the price of a, a car down from 100 grand to, to 60 or, or 50, or not 50, but even 80 again. I don't know that they're, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody do that. The only, the only time the government's ever done that in my history is is after the Civil War when they pulled the greenbacks out of the system. I, I don't see these guys have the balls to do that at all. I'm not even sure I'd recommend it. I don't even know. What do you think? Well, I, <laughs> that, that's, this is a much longer conversation than the two or three minutes yeah. we got left. I, I think at some point somebody has to stand up and be the adult in the room. They've spent way too long stimulating and adding and adding and adding and now they put us in this position where it's got, you know, my fear is that this ends ugly, right? Is that yeah. they're unable to control it and that they're going to force rates like they did back in the, and I don't necessarily think they're going to 20%, but when you're starting from zero and you go to 10%, that's going to be essentially the same thing, right? In terms of in terms of the pain that they're going to inflict on on the economy and on, uh, and on working people, because I think inflation will soar. Um, and that's what they're going to have to do. I don't think. I don't think, especially, especially because the administration is spending money like a drunken. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. They just don't want to stop spending money. And they're not going to. But, but Kenny, if you watch the, when we don't get into like this rail, rail strike thing and all this other stuff, and you, you, yep. have you read any these recent union contracts, and the raises these people are getting? Yeah. They don't. They don't be. They, they're covering about half the inflation rate. Yeah, that's right. And look at the yeah. teacher, who who the healthcare workers are. Where are they striking in Ohio or yeah. Chicago right now? These healthcare workers walking out saying they're done. They want more pay. They want more people. That's it. They're walking out for three or four days. Do you know what the, these railroad guys are are twenty four seven on call all the time? Yep, they are. And, and and but you and I, we talk about it. And and when you see the price of hospitalization go up and, you, and you're a big shot at CNBC or someplace, I'm not talking about you, and you're making a million dollars a year for doing God knows what, you don't, you don't feel that at all. But, but, but if you're Union Pacific, and I'll, I'll throw them a bone here, 
you don't want to be paying three grand a month for people. You, you minimize your amount of employees, and you want your guys working 24 hours if you can. That's, that's not a life for people. I mean, it, it just isn't. I mean, but that, no, not, but this stuff no, all yeah. has. Why is it you and I agree that all this stuff has its consequences, and other people just look the other way and look right by it? <laughs> is it an age thing? Stop it! Keep them employed, right? If they keep looking the other way, then they always have stuff to try to tackle. It's job security. But have you seen one of these union contracts that even even remotely keeps keeps up with the inflation in the last five years? Oh no, not at all. That I haven't seen it keep up with inflation, and that's going to continue to be the problem, is that even though they're getting raises, they're not keeping up, and they're still behind the eight ball. So it's going to cause more. This is where wage, wage inflation, this wage price spiral inflation, very reminiscent of 7980, um, it, it, it embeds itself into the system. Wages are sticky. They don't come down. Once inflation comes down, they don't, they don't start cutting everyone's wage by you know 20%. They don't do that. But I have not read... And maybe you can educate me. I have not read of one of these contracts saying that there's a cost of living adjuster going forward. Have you? No, not one. Well, that's. I haven't, th- re- I haven't read a lot of them, but I have not seen that at all. That well, you see, that's, that's that because I was involved in it. That's what happened during the '70s and '80s, Kenny. Is is the as the inflation actually stopped? The the CPI number kept coming out saying there was some. Yeah. And what happened is people start people were getting raises. After they should have, that's not going to happen right. this time because nobody's got those in there except except public employees. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, which, you know they yeah. the uh, they're changing the wages for CPS starting in January. I I go back and read what it's becoming, but they're changing how they calculate it. Well, they're, they, whatever they're doing, they're lying to us. So I don't want to go into that again. Have a nice have a nice week, buddy. Talk at you next week. SP futures. Up 29, NASDAQ futures up 90. We'll have the, the numbers here in a half hour. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again.
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello, North Bank Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Mr. Wet, wet, wet Rubber and Mr. Andrew on the board. Andrew's doing most of the work. Maddie's hovering over him like a mother goose. Uh, SP Futures up 28 and NASDAQ Futures up 89. Do we have Professor, the Professor? Good morning. Uh, did you get a $15 million uh, bonus when they get rid of you at Wesleyan? Oh, I don't. I haven't got I mean, anything like that now. <laughs> well, what the hell? I don't, I don't get it. Aren't you the football coach? Uh, well, I was a I was a volunteer football coach at Triumph High School. If if you if you've ever seen the movie uh, Hoosiers, that's what Troy High School is like. Oh, the God. locker room was dark and dingy. Don't tell me you were like <laughs> shooter. Man football. Don't tell me you were like shooter. No, I was. Uh, I, my nickname was Coach Blood. My my uptowns were legendary. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, who was shooter? Was who Dennis Dennis Harper, right? Yeah, Hopper. Yeah, Hopper. He, yeah, he, he played shooter. Yeah, what a great role. He good, had good flick. Oh, good yeah. flick. That whole thing was good. I, is uh, Gene Hackman has to be one of my all-time favorite actors. I mean, uh, oh, he's good in everything, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's good in everything. Yeah, everything he does is good. Did you, the movie's a bomb. Gene's gonna be awesome in it. Uh, there's a movie. It's a it's a dark movie. I I watched it. I don't even know if I was able to watch the whole thing. Uh, you ever see that movie, The Conversation? Uh-huh, I haven't seen it. Oh God, it's uh, Gene Hackman. Oh God, yeah, yeah. He was uh, talk about dark. He was, he was a guy that could could wiretap like anybody. He was a genius huh. at it, and he and he ended up wiretapping like a couple of uh, was it a couple of mafia guys out in a rowboat in the middle of a lake. Somehow he found a way. To die. <laughs> anyway, the the movie starts with like somebody's head coming out of a toilet. I, yeah, it was just brutal. Oh man. Yeah, and, uh, like I said, I, I, but I mean, he was he was unbelievable in the flick. He was he was really something. Huh. And uh, well, that probably fed into his performance in uh, Enemy of the State. Yeah, but it was okay. But Gene was awesome in that Enemy of the State. Well, I remember the French Connection was really something. Boy, he was. Uh, yeah. And then that, that scene in there. Well, where Gene was. She was awesome as uh, Lex Luthor in those. Oh yeah. You know, when I was a kid, they were awesome movies, the Superman movies. But yeah. man, Gene was. The movie's okay, but Gene was awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, still in that, it, it's worth it to watch the French French Connection uh, chase scene, just to see that the lady and the kid were not supposed to be there. They, <laughs> they, they crossed the, the the street in the middle of the of the. Uh, the, sh- the filming of the thing, they almost hit him. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were, they were not supposed so to do that. It was a, kind of a flub, huh? Yeah, it was a total flub. And all of a sudden you see wow. this lady in a stroller go flying out of the way. They they, they weren't <laughs> supposed to be there. Ouch. It, it probably made it seem more realistic, didn't it? Oh, God. It sure no, as hell did. 
It sure as hell did. The first movie I remember seeing was Jaws as a little kid. So oh, that's kind of when I started watching movies. Oh God! When I was when I was real young, I was a uh, get a load of this. But when you, the crime the crime as it is here in Chicago now, when I was uh, when I was 10, well, it's only going to get better, right? With the uh, new bail reform law, oh, they're going to adopt the oh, entire yeah. state. When I was so ten, get better. My buddy and I took two buses over to see the original uh, John Wayne and the Longest Day in the movies. We were ten. They came out in like nineteen sixty two, and no, nobody cared. My mother didn't care if you took the bus when you were ten or eleven. You do that all the time. But now, of course. Who has their 10-year-old kid on the bus? Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm riding the subway every day, and the youngest kids I see riding the subway uh, by themselves are probably at least 16, and they're yeah. going to probably a private school in Manhattan. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, a weird I don't think anybody else ride the bus. Well, you know, if, if you had a job, like, in Brooklyn, uh, when, what's her name? Uh, who the hell went out there for a couple of weeks? Well, Jessica was, was doing the stuff. She don't have to hang one of her pals. And evidently, one of her pals lived in what's south of, the, of Long Island. It wasn't Brooklyn. Is that Queens or whatever? Anyway, but whatever. Uh, Queens is to the east of it because it's the county of Queens, and Brooklyn is the county of Kings, and they're side by side. So, well, the, but the way the subway system is set up, yeah, it's it's yeah. to get them in. They they had to take to get to get essentially eight miles north, and it's in Long Island there say from North Brooklyn to South Brooklyn, for lack of a better term, they had to take the subway into New York, get a different line, and take it back out to Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's like downtown here. I mean, you have to, if you want to go to the west side, you got to take the green line downtown and then take the you know, whatever line west. You can, there's, no, there's nothing that connects the neighborhood. It's all getting to the central business, business district. It's kind of a weird... Well, yeah, I think, I think the, the purpose of that is to kind of like pull everybody into uh, Manhattan, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... That's the same thing that happens in uh, in Utah, but in Utah, the uh, what we call the tracks are our public transit trains. They they kind of go east and west, north and south. Well, so supposedly, if you wanted to, if you if you're over at the airport, you'd have to go to Salt Lake City, and then you could go down to Draper. You could also jump on a train that looks like an Amtrak. It's called the Front Runner, and you can go from Ogden to Provo on it, and it costs the same amount as the uh, the regular smaller trains. Well, that's known as that's heavy rail. That's like the yeah, oh, like your, oh, oh, the, your yeah. The Frontier is a heavy rail system. Yeah, they got two level compartments, and if you were living in Ogden and you work in Provo, then you can set up an office on that top deck. You got little tables, plug-ins, really? USB ports. It's pretty slick. Well, you've got it's open to the bottom though, right? Yeah, the bottom's open, but yeah, you can go up on top. Right, those and those you can are set up a little office and work on your way to work. Those are known as gallery cars. Yeah, they're pretty slick, man. Well, they've they've Sweet. the first one of those built were were built for the Chicago Northwestern by Pullman in the late fifties. Oh, nice Pullman! Cool. Because they were the they were the all right. We got a couple minutes. Would, would all your uh, until they built those cars, all your all your commuter cars, your commuter trains, they were all head end power, both in traction power and in. It, it, they all the locomotive did was was provide the traction power, meaning they pulled the train. Yeah. And all all the rest of the train was uh, they actually had generators on every wheel, and batteries on every car. So the lights and stuff in the train in the in the car were driven by the generators down at the wheels, just like riding your oh. bike. And then yeah, the, like an alternator, yeah, turning off the yeah, uh, yeah. pulley of an engine. Yeah, cool. Or, or or putting a thing on your bike that runs your front your headlight. 
the little thing that's turned by your wheel. Ever see one of those things? Or maybe they don't have. Oh it. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So, and they, so when they when they they decided, okay, well, this would be a lot better if we didn't have to turn the train around. So the, the idea of a push pull commuter train uh, became, and, and Pullman built these things for Northwestern, and then they became Rock Island and everybody else. But the the the, the change that around is all all the power now comes from the locomotive, the air conditioning, huh. all the power. So you see that big monster cable that goes between cars. If you look between, you'll see that there's the coupler, the couple of car together. Then you'll see these couple of huge cables that go from car to car. Well, that's all the power yeah. that does all the air conditioning and all the. That's how the guy can sit in the locomotive on the other or in the, on the end car up in the cab and drive the train that way with the locomotive on the ascent. So yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, the track system in Utah having to have a a roundabout or a, a turnaround. Right? It, well, just, it just ends yeah. and then it starts. The, yeah. The conductor will walk out of the cars, walk along the platform, and jump in what was the anchor, yeah, it, which is now the head, yeah, it, yeah. And so, what they when I'm in Chicago, they had so many tracks that they would pull them out, and you'd go south with a loop, and then you'd swing back on the uh, on the Union Pacific tracks, then you'd turn the other way on the Union Pacific tracks, and then back in. So you had to do that for every train every day until this yeah. happened. But the idea that if you see like a train going by in Chicago or any place else with like 12 cars and there's two locomotives on it, then you'll say, wow, can't that locomotive? The locomotive can probably pull traction power, you know, 50 cars. But it only has enough yeah. power in there for the air condition, like probably uh, eight or nine. So if you're going to put 12 cars on, you need two locomotives just for the electrical power. Wow. See what you see what you learn when you, t- when you come up with railroad questions that directed at me? <laughs> So what is the? Hey, I'm 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 a curious guy, man. I I watch shows just to figure out things out and learn. My my favorite channel is probably science, uh, and then the History Channel. I can't get enough of how the universe um, uh, was created. Oh, yeah. I can't get enough of that show. So let me a quick question: what What is the highest? What kind of weather gives you the highest draw and power from the locomotive? What kind of weather? Yeah. Um, I don't know, headwind? Is no, no, whether you're heating or your air conditioning or whatever. Uh-huh. If it's, oh, probably humidity. If it's like 45 degrees and real damp, like if it's raining, yeah, you you got you to gotta turn the heat on, okay, to warm the place up. But it's, all, it's so damp, you actually have the air conditioning on to draw the, the humidity out of the air. Then you have to turn the heat on to heat the air before it goes back in the car. So you have to have both well, of them Well, I'll tell you on. what. I was driving my white car across the, the country with the kids in it, and we had to turn the air conditioner off because apparently the con- condensation lines plugged. Yeah. And when we had the air conditioner turned on, when we entered the humidity parts of the United States, like Iowa and East, it was just it was creating a lake uh, in the driver's uh, the passenger side uh, foot area. <laughs> well, yeah, you got a little bit of a. I turned little, that off. Yeah, you I turned that off. I turned the air conditioner off. We just had the fan going. We had no lake, so man, it was really pulling the moisture out of the air. Well, you know, it doesn't happen too much on cars built after 1960. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, so we sent you. How about talk about changing gears here? Uh, Kevin sent me that article yesterday, and I made a stab at uh, um, in answering it. And I, I, we've mentioned this. And this is going to get a little technical, but I, I think our listeners don't mind that once in a while, as long as we don't kill them with it. Uh, 
somebody wrote this article about how the Fed has been lying to everybody because they're never going to lower rates because they end up uh, that they make so much money on their stuff then they give them they give the federal government all this money every year and all of a sudden now since they're paying for interest on these reserves that that's a relatively and I, I didn't really know the answer to that uh hell because i know my guys at the fed before covid told me that they had so many excess reserves at the banks and that's actually known as m0 back when there was an m1 m2 m3 m0 was actually bigger than m1 that they poured so a background to this is the fed has poured so much money into the system and most of it is has gone a lot most but a lot of it's gone to banks and they also lowered the reserve requirement i always talk when i talk about banking and creation of money i always talk like there is a reserve requirement there really isn't anymore for years and years it was what 20 percent or 21 or 22 and, and if you well, i think from 1990 it depended on how big the bank was but i think for most banks it was probably 10 percent from like 1991 up until a few years ago so when i was in when i was in school learning about all this it was like 20 yeah or 18 yeah. or something so so in other words if if a guy like hal pulls a million dollars out from under his mattress and drops it in the harris bank uh in those days they could now look they could now lend 800 grand they had a 20 percent reserve requirement so then that person if he put his money back in the bank they could then lend 640 right and further on down the line well, then they dropped yeah. it to 10, and then they dropped it inexplicably to zero. So banks just have, they're just kind of awash with cash. But even then, they had, uh, well, the reserves had to stay in the bank in those days, and now they can now they can lend it out to the Fed. I thought they could always do that. Anyway, but now there's... Well, you know, the, uh, the post-Keynesian view of money supply, I didn't think it was very valid until the Fed started paying interest on reserves. But yeah, the, the post-Keynesian view of money supply is a big bank, whether it has reserves or not, can simply make a billion dollar loan and then it's not mean it's reserve requirement they can call the fed up and get a discount loan uh to uh cover that the, the reserve so there really wasn't a reserve requirement uh, before and i think that was the i think there was a rea- realistic uh vision of what the fed was doing when the discount rate was 50 basis points typically 50 basis points below the fed's target the big banks would just call up the fed and say hey we just made a billion dollar loan. We're not meeting a reserve requirement. Can we? Get, can you give us a discount loan to cover it? And well, yeah, but they also, that, according that, to post Keynesian theory, that would happen a lot. But that was also you didn't. You never wanted to go to the discount window, which yeah. is what's that called? Because I mean, you, you're a bad guy in class. You weren't managing yourself properly. Yeah, I, I think for the big banks, I think initially maybe in the seventies, in the eighties or so, I think maybe that was. The way it was, but I think because of the Fed is of the lender of last resort and uh, it doesn't want too big to fail banks to fail. I think I think the uh, reputation preceded itself. I think at some point when banks made these loans, they didn't have reserves. They would just dial up a de- discount loan form. Okay, we, we, let me back up here a second for listeners. Uh, what we're talking about when I gave the example of Hal drags a million dollars out of his out of his mattress brings it into the bank and then the, that money gets put back into the same bank well, well, well what if, what if they give out the eight hundred and eight hundred thousand dollar loan and it doesn't that guy takes a check yeah. and drops it in the northern trust bank so in theory that night depending on what else they do uh harris could be could be short some reserves yeah so there was always the discount window but for a for decades you, you, you never wanted to lose that use that that's that's where when the fed talks about the fed funds rate 
they talk about the, the rate that banks borrow money back and forth to each other. Because one night, if somebody pulls it out of one bank and put it to, puts it into another, even a guy like, like Hal, if he withdraws a million dollars from his checking account at Harris and for some reason puts it in Chase, well, Chase has excess money and Harris might not have enough. So the system yeah. is Harris would call up Chase and say, hey, I need eight hundred grand overnight. And the, and the amount that they would charge for that is the Fed funds rate. And in a banking system that works well, none of this, you never have to go to the Fed because there's enough reserves yeah. in the system. They just not, might not be at that particular bank. But if one bank doesn't have it, somebody else has got a little too much, and they were expected to, do, to, to cover this fight on their own without going to the discount window every single night. Is, is, yeah, is the, it, the funny thing about the discount rate is that for, I don't know, 80 years, the Fed had it set 50 basis points below its Fed funds rate, right? And this is why I think there's not a lot of economic theorists at the Fed. Because if the discount rate is less than the federal funds rate, banks would want to borrow from the discount window. And, and for 80 years, for the Fed to discourage that, they had to threaten like audits of banks that abused the discount window. But not until not until two thousand and what three, when the federal funds rate got down to one percent and the discount rate was down to five point five percent. That's when the Fed changed it and put the discount rate above the federal funds rate. So it's not really a discount rate anymore. It's more of a price ceiling. So it acts as a price ceiling now, right? A non-binding price. Right, but it, there there was a there was a huge. You know, bad boy mark on your on your nose if you, because it was a mark of not no, yeah. of not of mismanagement yeah. to all of a sudden panic and go to the discount window. Because one of the guys yeah. that I uh, at the Tripoli Tap, one of the one of the guys I think owns part of the place, that that was his job for years. Is he he managed federal funds money, and and uh, Northern Trust always had a bunch of dough. They because they're not they're not a really commercial. Well, they are, but but it's more of an investment bank. They're the last big bank really left in Chicago. And I think traditionally they always had a lot of money, reserves, because they were very conservative on their lending and so forth. And, and, he, and he would always, somebody would call him up, and he was, that's what he did. Chase would call him up and say, hey, the guy's name's Todd. Hey, Todd, we need you know, $50 million tonight or something. And he'd know who had it, and he'd go get it, and he would, he would manage the loan between yeah. overnight loan. And there was a, you paid a, if the discount rate was 5%, that's what you paid, 5% divided by what, 365, right, overnight. Yeah. And uh, when the discount rates got so low, <laughs> when he finally re- retired, this is back when he started dropping the rates down in 2008, like down to zero. He goes, hey, Tommy, this is real deep, deep voice. Hey, Tommy, you wouldn't believe what happened last night. I go, what? He goes, these guys borrowed $80 million overnight, and the interest didn't cover the cost of the wire transfer. <laughs> <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I think I'm out of a job pretty soon. <laughs> and he was. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, the wire transfer was like fifteen. But the, the interest wasn't even fifteen bucks at like eighty million dollars overnight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, well, I, I mean, when this I stuff starts, at Washington State, and her job at a bank in Michigan was Thursday night. She had to make sure that her bank met their reserve requirement, and she was calling up banks left and right looking for reserves. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's but that you were that's what you were supposed to do because at any given day yeah. you, you you can you can write say you have two bank accounts you can write them well you can't maybe some company could easily I mean Pullman would uh had you know I, boy, where's Robin when I need her because she was a treasurer 
But they would have some huge account at, uh, what's the one in uh, Philadelphia, the, the Mellon Bank, all right? They had a huge account there, but I don't think that they, I think they did their payroll out of First National here in Chicago. So when you went to meet the payroll, they would drag, you know, a payroll was a couple of million bucks. This is 1978, right? They would, they would pull $2 million out of, out of Mellon and then drop it in a, a First National to, for, to make the payroll the next morning. So, I mean, I mean companies don't just have one, one checking account. So, I mean, yeah. you, I mean, people are capable of moving money around. And I'm saying when that money comes out of Mellon, they, they all of a sudden have a reserve. They might have more than enough to cover it, but they might not. And by the way, where's the first place you go to borrow it? First National, right? Because they're, they're the ones that have it. I mean, this was supposed to work on its own. And as, and as the Fed has gotten more and more involved, I don't know if it works as well as it used to. Just saying. Well, I think, uh, I think for the big connected banks, you know, the, the big five or whatever, I think the post-Keynesians has something because the Fed is not going to let those banks fail, right? And well, they, so if, they never did. If one of the big ones, yeah, so one of the big ones made too many loans and they didn't have the reserves to back it up, they just call their buddies at the Fed because, you know, there's a revolving, revolving door between them and the, the Fed. Call them up, you know, the New York Fed and say, hey, we just made too many loans today. We need a discount loan. They're not going to get audited. They're not going to be penalized. They're probably not going to even make it news, right? No, but, but if for you, a small it, bank that's not connected, I, I'm sure what you're saying was true. But for the big ones, and that's why the post-Keynesian theory came out, where money supply is actually perfectly elastic, Flat, not perfectly yeah. inelastic, like the textbook would have you believe. But the bank, the, the Fed knows if, if if you're the guy at, at Chase and you're short a billion dollars, the Fed knows that City is long a billion dollars. And their question to you yeah. is, why don't you just call them? What are you calling us for? Yeah, I mean, it, it has nothing to do with solvency because because the Fed yeah. knew the, that the system itself was solvent, but yeah. individual banks could be long or short on any given day, right? So. Well, I would I would argue that bank banks operate under a professional reserve banking system. Banks operate in a perpetual state of bankruptcy, and that's why we need FDIC. That's why we need the Fed to be the lender of last resort. In a free banking system, without any of those uh, programs, any of those insurances, and uh, the have an official bank, the banks would be like the one in Chicago, right? The one that you're talking about. They'd have a desired. They'd have a higher desired reserve ratio. Right? They would have it at forty percent or fifty percent. Right? And if, if the economy kind of sank a little bit low, you know, if they felt the economy was going into the tank, they'd hold even more reserves uh, on hand. But and I think I think in that kind of system, in order to secure, you know, longer term loans like mortgages, they would issue time deposits in the in the, in the length. Of the mortgages. So if they were making a bunch of thirty-year mortgages, they'd want to make a bunch of thirty. They want to issue a bunch of thirty-year uh, time deposits to lock away that, and you could secure the mortgages with that. Yeah, you know, good luck. And with that, that would be a free banking system. Well, but what happened? I think what caused a lot of this is what is there's a, there's a timing to this, and, and you and I are. Well, I'm a city boy. You know, I'm a whatever. Uh, I'm a city boy now. Yeah, but I mean, when, when this <laughs> I'm all on the subway every day. When, when this all started, I mean, back in the day when we were much more of an agrarian society, imagine you're a bank in Central Illinois or, or even you know just south of Chicago, a hundred years ago. Well, everybody, every one of your customers, except for guys that maybe had more money than God, every one of your customers 
in February or March is going to come to you for a loan, correct? Yeah. Because they're going to plant their crops and they need the money. And all of a sudden, you're, you're drawn down dramatically and you've got loans basically out the behind. And all of a sudden, come October, everybody walks in with a check, pays off the loan, and now you're flush. Well, yeah. is, you, a bank that's can't... That's if you have a good harvest. That's if you have yeah, a good well, that's harvest. Yeah, but I'm saying, if, even if things go well, the timing is, is not you know, what you want. In some other part of the country... You might have, might be manufacturing whatever it is, and you're buying something in October, and oh, by the way, you're selling the stuff in, in March, and all of a sudden you're just the opposite. So the idea, one of the main reasons for having a central bank is to be able to provide funds to the bank in the Midwest in, in, in February and in March, right? And then uh, and have, and, and have and the other people at different times of the year because every, every business is not bankable, right? I mean, and you know, some people have to have a loan for a payroll, and then they pay you in a week. If you don't, if everybody, like, imagine a company town, you know, where, where, the, where the company's going to borrow this huge payroll on a Friday and pay you back like the next Wednesday or something, or 30 days from now. Well, if it, it, there, there's, there's timing. So, I mean, if the Fed actually has a, a pretty serious purpose, I think we both agree with that. It, it totally gets mis, you know, messed up by this, this policy stuff they're doing, but 99% of the people of the Fed just do the mundane stuff every day, right? Making sure the money yeah. gets to the right place and your checks get cashed. I mean, we, we couldn't really do without that, Al, I don't think. Well, I, I think we can't observe the world that I wish we had. Maybe there's a parallel universe where we could maybe somehow wormhole our way over there to observe what's going on over there. But our reality in this universe is that the Fed is here it's here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. And I think the goal of economics right now is to figure out the best way to minimize the damage that the Fed does. And I think that the Fed right now is doing some serious damage. It's got reserve requirements of zero. It's printed all this money out. And the way it keeps that money in the banking system is it has to pay banks not to lend it out. It yeah. has to pay them interest not to lend it out. Because when you have a 0% reserve requirement, a $1 increase in reserves can lead to an infinite increase, yep. theoretically, in M2, in money. Well, the same thing is if, if a company's making $10 a year and interest rate is zero, the company's worth infinite, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. So, so you yeah. have to have... So I, I'm over there. Yeah, so the interest on reserves right now is necessary to keep that money bottled up in the banking system. It's like a dam, right? And as that quantity of, as that reserve, as that water reserve, reservoir, as a reservoir of money grows, they have to lift the dam higher and higher and higher. I would, I would. Otherwise, if they don't, that money would come spilling out of the dam. Well, I would, the first thing I would do is raise that reserve requirement to 10% or something and stop yeah. this, stop this. And I, I'd grow the money supply at uh, maybe a half a percent. If I can, it's hard to do. Yeah. A half a percent higher than the, than the growth in the population or productivity, some combination there. And I'd be growing the money supply by, by 3% a year or 2.5. Well, the first thing the Fed's got to do is admit what inflation is, come up with the actual definition of inflation. Well, inflation is just an excessive growth in the money supply. Yeah. But in order to keep – I mean, if their goal is to keep inflation low – then they should be looking at money only. They shouldn't be looking at consumer prices. They shouldn't be managing consumer prices. They shouldn't be managing the stock market. What they should be doing is just watching the money supply 
and just keeping it at a nice, low, constant rate the best they can. Well, the market and with the data and the technology this, they have today, they should be able to do that. Hal, the, the, we get a load of this. The market seems to have the CPI report before we're getting it from CNBC because the schools are now <laughs> down 35. They just dropped 60 points. So I'm going to say this August oh, CPI. Man. Let's go to break. We come back. We'll go through these numbers. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Bank Stocks and Jack. I'm Tom, Tom Howe. Matt Weber and Andrew on the board. SP, SP Futures down 58. This has been a, this is a, a almost a 75%, 75, 80 point turnaround with these numbers. NASDAQ Futures down 257. Dow's down more than 300. Uh, hot inflation report that came in was supposed to be minus 0.1% on, on the everything, and it came in even on the unadjusted, a positive 0.1 on the adjusted. But the big number is uh, less food and energy, the core allegedly. What they call core is up 0.6%. It was only supposed to be up a little bit. So 
it's, it's a very hot report considering what everybody thought it was going to go the other way. Why they thought that, I don't know. But that's that's all you heard about the last week, which caused this big rally, and now we're the other way. So we're down 50. Probably we're just down a little more than 50. Seems to be stabilizing a hair here, down 50. We'll see about that. Over in Europe, I don't have a, a quick reaction on this stuff, so why don't we... Well, why don't we put this off a little bit because I'm, I'm 10 minute delay on the stuff from Europe, uh, but I do have uh, gold, which is uh, I mean it was up and now it's down a buck or, or down 10 bucks. So we're going the other way on some of this stuff. Uh, crypto, uh, Bitcoin's down 502 now. It's minus two percent, uh, 21,913, and we've got the the U.S. dollar uh, is actually rose rose here. The euro dollar is down to being right down to one dollar again. So. Why don't you guys uh, do traffic, weather, and sports, and I'll fill in this other stuff when we get it. All right, then. Well, it is 7.35, Tuesday the 13th. And for sports last night, the Cubs beat the Mets 5-2. to uh, The Dodgers wiped out the Diamondbacks at 6-0. to uh, But tonight, though, the White Sox are playing the Rockies at 7.10 p.m. Now, for weather in Chicago, we got gray skies at 60 degrees with a high of 78 and a low of 60. In Phoenix, it is cloudy at 80 degrees with a high of 97 and a low of 75. Now for Chicago traffic, near Joliet, the westbound I-80 exit to Highway 30 is closed due to a semi on fire, and that's been going on for at least an hour now, so traffic is heavy from the ramp to 45 south. And on the Eisenhower and the Jane Adams, expect very heavy delays, as both of which have accidents. Uh, there was an accident on the left shoulder of the eastbound Eisenhower at California Avenue, and an accident on the right shoulder of the Jane Adams near Lawrence Avenue. Otherwise, traffic is building as usual on the inbound roads. So that is all we got. Back to you. We, we still have the professor. What do you think of these numbers, professor? If you're Biden, you might say inflation is only 0.6%. <laughs> per month. Last month, remember he said month over month, inflation was 0%. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing about that month over month number, it, that he claimed there's no inflation, uh, when you compare it month to month, yeah, there's no inflation. But when you, when you go back a year, dude, uh, I don't care if prices did not go up from June to July. They're up from the previous July to June and to July by about the same amount. So, um, yeah, it's pretty bad, and I expected as much. Electrolux, the second largest uh, appliance producer in the world, their, their sales are collapsing, and you see inventories. I've never seen inventories skyrocket like they are. The inventory sales ratio, I, I read this article yesterday, the inventory sales ratio, uh, inventory's over sales, uh, looks like the freaking rocket going to the moon. Yep. I mean, it is straight up. And when, when that happens, you got consumer dam- demand collapsing in wants. People can't afford the needs, so sales and wants are exploding, which causes the denominator to go, uh, or sorry, sales are going down. So it causes the denominator to go way down on that ratio and it causes that ratio to go way up but at the same time inventories are rising too so shrinking sales and exploding inventories is causing that ratio just to shoot off the chart so LA, uh, I, I expected as much yeah i have a just by my granted i'm just not like i'm dashing around the country and checking out every every main street in town or in the, in the, in the country but from what i see i see uh 
you know, your, your high-end places are still doing okay. Uh, every place else I see is in a, a, almost a horrible recession right now. I mean, it's the, the demand yeah. is dropping dramatically everywhere. And, uh, I mean, yeah. when I, when people, I, people can't afford the wants yeah. or the needs, so they can't buy the wants, right? Yeah. I, I mean, there's, so there's, they, can't, they can't buy that new wash machine. They can't buy the, the gas grill. They can barely feel, afford the food. Yeah, it's, it's. I really do believe that the uh, that the, the bulge in the price level at thirty five percent or whatever it is, and, and, I, and I don't just throw this number out there trying to trying to make make problems. That that's where the that's where the bulge in the money supply is thirty five or forty percent in the last two and a half years. So if you just do the math, you 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 should at least be expecting your prices to come in somewhere around there. Now, why the people in the Fed seem to be totally shocked by this, I I don't get it. I mean, yeah, but I mean if you if you were to ask anybody, no matter what their education level, if you were to say, if all of a sudden in this country tomorrow every guy who's got a dollar bill, I took it from you and gave you a two dollar bill, or if it, you know you give me a, a five and I give you a ten, everybody would look at you in the face and say, well, you're not accomplishing anything. All that's going to happen is everything's going to double, <laughs> and if if I owed you twenty bucks, I now owe you forty. You're not accomplishing anything by printing money. Yeah. So yeah. why why is it if instead of doubling it we raise it forty percent, we think we're not going to get the same sort of action, but just not double, more like forty percent? I talk, I, was, I was talking to some guy last week in the transmission business, you know, and the guy goes uh, from a buddy of mine. So I, I said, you know, this guy needs a new trans, uh, transmission rebuilt, and he goes, that's like twenty three fifty, and I go, God, it seems a, a tad rich, and he goes, well, it would have been eight, eighteen hundred last year. Well, okay, what's What's five fifty divided by eighteen hundred? Right, it's roughly thirty two percent, right, or something. I mean, yeah. it's it, yeah. everything you look at is, is right in is right there. The stock market's up thirty five percent, right? Every yeah. everything because it. it be, I mean, I, I think that the and I and believe me, yeah. When I was in the international economics class in University of Chicago, with all these people that were from uh, not all, but there were some people that were from Europe in there, from France and so forth. They were they they had me. I was I was like a, a third grader compared to these guys, because in, because in I had never for me money money was the dollar in your pocket. You never questioned in 1975. You never questioned the dollar. I mean I mean yeah. my, my stepfather was in uh, the watch business and they I know that they did futures. So I learned something about futures contracts and stuff because those guys are doing them are uh, forward contracts where the bank is a forward not a future and. Uh, so I knew a little bit about it, but these other dudes, they you know they'd ask the guy to ask a question. Well, we put this money in a bank, Credit Lyonnais, in, in France. What happens to that plus the money in Germany? These guys was on the tip of their tongue. I'm sitting there trying to work my way through it because we had never encountered anything like that. When when did you ever? Well, I think also back then when you went from country to country, it was like going from Texas to yeah, you know Louisiana. You have a different currency, so you had to be really good on your feet. Um, Doing um, exchange rates, right? Right. So, I mean, when you grow up in that system, that's your reality. So you're going to just be able to do it off the cuff. Yeah, with no it, problem. I mean, here, the, yeah. the only thing that could possibly have happened to not, I'm not, it's not like rich people didn't go to Europe, but I mean, I, there's no chance if I was ever going to Europe. We we went up to Toronto for a baseball game or something, or for a hockey game. It's the only time we ever changed currency. It was a Canadian dollar yeah. was worth ninety cents or whatever. Well, um, I remember in Northern Idaho. Canadian coins kind of circulating in northern Idaho's economy. I mean, we accepted Canadian dollars and coins as if they were American dollars 
in the 80s. Okay. That stopped now. But yeah, the border towns, they'll, they'll circulate in the local economy. Well, you can always play with American dollars because they were always worth more yeah. up there. Anyway, so just yeah, so I, mean, I, I mean, I think for a small business that, you know, like uh, a little hamburger stand, it was probably one for one, right? Yeah, well, I would think. Well, the question yeah. is if somebody, if you gave somebody 450 and change, could you sneak a Canadian dollar in there without anybody bitching? If, if they were bitching, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you couldn't, then I think you got a problem. But hey, would you, I've got well, Vegas s- is cool because in Vegas, uh, poker chips circulate in businesses around the casinos oh, yeah. as currency. <laughs> well, I don't know. My, my, my parents, of course, were much, well, I mean, I was raised Catholic. I guess I still am. But they were much more devout. I mean, if they're in Vegas, they were going to church, right? So, yeah. So the, the pastor would always say, by the way, feel free to slip a, a chip into the, the collection box <laughs> if that's all you got. <laughs> They, they weren't above, above going over to Caesars with, with $500 worth of chips and say, give, us, give me my 500 Or maybe they got gambled it away. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> for the, Blackjack table. <laughs> I mean, if you got a poker chip, put it right in there. Hey, <laughs> anyway, the pastor's got to support the local economy, oh, right? absolutely. So I'm looking at these numbers, and just I'll, I'll lob a couple out there because I know people, I don't want to bore the hell everybody going through this from the top. But uh, the numbers, again, uh, from uh, last month to this month, from July to August, the unadjusted percent change is zero. The adjusted percent, and I don't know, every month the adjusted is like 0.1 different than the other. And I, I don't know who the hell is doing the adjustment, Hal, or why you need need to. Anyway, the adjustment well, is... Well, I think, I think what they're doing, they're accounting for the... Uh, they don't have a long enough time series. So they, in order to adjust from, they need, they need uh, more time. And they incorporate, you know, monthly effects into it and seasonal effects into it so uh, that's just part of adjusting the time series because there's just not enough data points right so you have the previous month and then you have the current month and the current month is based off of basically statistics from the previous months and as you uh, uh, correct that time series data there's going to be adjustments to the past data okay so yeah, it's just a statistical technique. Well, okay, so that, so the number you're seeing on TV, if you turn on CNBC or Fox or whatever, you're going to see this adjusted 0.1 positive, when it was supposed to be, what, 0.1 negative. The unadjusted number yeah. is, is dead flat at zero. Year over year, the unadjusted, of course, the unadjusted the adjusted should be the same year over year. Year over year, they got it 8.3%, August 2021 to August 2022. Now, this is, this is the all items. Now, if you drop down to... The part about uh, food and energy, we actually have energy. Where the hell is that one? Energy is actually down 6.2% on a month, which I think most of us would agree. Gas is down. Energy is up 23.8% year over year. I'm going to say it probably should be a little more than that, but depending on where we are. Now, all all items less food and energy. And you never never hear anybody say uh, food and energy is roughly 23% of the basket. All items less food and energy or 77%. Right? I don't know how many people know that. but So that number oh, yeah. Yeah. that number came in at 0.6% when it was supposed to be 0.3. Right? Now, year over year, uh, they've got this number at 6.3%. And I'm going to say that is hogwash. I mean, anybody who thinks that your regular inflation, meaning housing and all the other stuff that you buy, is only up 6% year over year. I got I got a bridge for you. But this is the part I yeah, I have problems I with. This is the part I have problems with because the big the biggest uh, one in here the new vehicles 
they got up 10%. I'm going to say they're up a lot more than 10%. Because I don't think you can still buy one for list price, can you? But again, you know, I, it's not like I want this, this job doing this with these guys. Let me ask you this. If you sit there and you're, and you're looking at something simple, a, a, a Chevy pick-me-up, right? Okay, so two years ago, three years ago, the, the, for a regular pick-me-up, the manufacturer suggested retail price is 27 grand or 28 grand, something like that. I mean, I don't know, depending on what you got on it. And, uh, and, and I'm going to say you probably paid 25 26 because there's always a discount right well it, well it used to be now today I'm going to say that number is probably uh, 35 38 so it's up probably 20% anyway on, 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 on manuf- MSRP but I'm going to say you're paying list price minimum right now so now you not only have the MSRP which you've probably been using for 50 years and want to continue to use, right? Because you don't want to change all your numbers. But really, it might be as much as 10% more than that, maybe more, maybe 20%. Because now you've got this other thing that's going to my, my nephew was out looking for, he and his wife. We're looking, I think they got a Honda SUV or something. And they really like it, so they're going to get another one. I think they wanted, the one they bought, I think they got four grand under list five years ago. And now they, these guys wanted five grand over list. So there's 20%. It's not even counted if you just look at the MSRP. So I guess my point is, is to do this properly, not not even cheating, it's a tough job so in times like this, right? I mean, it, it's not easy because all this stuff is in the midst of it. But here's the one that, you know, I'll, I'll lob it up here, just the numbers right in front of us. By the way, alcoholic beverages, hell, they only got those up 4.3% year over year. Clearly, oh. any... Uh, well, let's see where where are we? Uh, they've got beer, ale, and malt beverages, and wine away from home, distilled spirits away from home. They got them up six percent. You tell me, you tell me <laughs> where, where you can find a saloon that's only up six percent from last year. I, I, I don't yeah, care. I, I don't know. I don't know where, where you're going, but every every place I have in the, in the last year, a glass of wine at a crummy bar is up from six bucks to nine bucks. Well, I think the the sampling weight is way off. They're probably oversampling uh, Matt in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we have they have they have the Utah alcohol and beverage out of house weight at ninety percent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so here we've got um, rent rent of primary re- residence. Okay, in other words, you, everybody everybody knows that this is up fifteen twenty percent, maybe more than that in the last year. These guys, these guys got it six percent, and seven percent of your basket. Name me anybody that can rent an apartment for seven percent of what they make if it isn't named Rockefeller. Just ask him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're not even on the right planet here. Now, the the one owner, yeah, I know. owner's equivalent rent of residence, six point three percent up on the year. Houses are up twenty, and, and mortgages are up thirty. How, how the hell do you get six point three? Well, I'll tell you the uh, when you're when you're talking about pickup trucks in Idaho. My brother sold his used uh, diesel Dodge. Yeah. For like twenty, almost thirty thousand dollars. You probably almost as much in you Boise, paid for. Idaho, in Boise, Idaho, a used pickup truck from twenty twenty with eleven thousand miles on it is selling for fifty four thousand dollars. Yeah crazy that's a used vehicle well the the uh right. well look at where the new ones are 
oh, it's just unbelievable. Right. They're, they're more than my motorhome. Well, I, I told you when I when I, my parents, they both died fairly close together, and uh, my stepfather and my mom, and we we're trying to sell the house, we cleaned stuff out, and there was all kinds of other crap going on. So, plus I had never, I had never driven back Route sixty six, and always wanted to do it someday. So, I spat this. Uh, Oh, Route 66 is cool. Yeah, I spot, Arizona. I, yeah. Spot, I spot this pickup truck in Tucson, right? So I fly down there and grab it. It's a it's your basic Chevy, basic 2500 series, so it's a three-quarter ton. Just regular pick-me-up. You know, roll down windows the whole bit. And uh, I think I paid, I don't know, 5500 for it or something. So yeah. uh, maybe six. So I, I have it for like a year, and all of a sudden my buddies I play golf with, his, his son's coming back from uh, Iraq. And he goes, hey, my buddy, my son's a carpenter. He needs a heavy-duty truck. You don't need two trucks. <laughs> Why don't you sell him yours? And I go, no, you're right. I don't need two trucks. So we go to the, we go to you know Kelly Blue Book, and it says the person-to-person price is roughly the same as I paid for it, right? Uh, so say f- say six grand. I think it was actually less than that. So I get the check. He gets the truck. Everybody's happy. It was a nice truck. I'm going to say easily that truck brings thirteen grand today. Easily. Oh yeah, easy. Yeah. And, I, and I'm and I'm, I'm going to bet that yeah. the because it was a 99, I'm, I'm going to say that the uh, brand new, the thing was 17, maybe. So I, I, I could get it, I think it would now be 24 years old, and I bet I could still get three quarters of the original purchase price with 100,000 miles on it. Oh, easy. That's yeah. insane. That is absolutely insane. Rod's truck, my brother Rod's truck he sold, it had like 190,000 miles on it too, man. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you take care yeah. of them, they, they hang in there. But get a load of this. Health insurance. Guess what they have as a percentage of your basket, you know? Less than 1%. Health insurance, yeah. That's about right. Yeah, that's what it is, I think, yeah. How could it be less than 1% if you're if you're making fifty grand and you're paying two grand a month? How the hell is that 1%? Well, I, th- I think they have to have it 1% because um, you see a lot of inflation in... Healthcare services, especially in the United States, with all the licensing and the regulations yeah. and the government cartelizing of it, so you have to kind of bury that. The products where you see the highest inflation rates generally, when we're not in a high inflation regime, the products where you see the most inflation are the things that are heavily subsidized, managed or owned by government. Education, healthcare, housing. Stocks because of the SEC and margin lending and the Federal Reserve, right? But in other industries, you usually see prices falling, like computers, laptops, uh, uh, software, right. etc. Right? You see prices either stay the same or come down. So I think the reason why they have it at one percent is to help perpetuate the lie yeah. that inflation is eight percent year over year right now. Well, they got medical care services up five point six percent on the year. But here's the here's the kicker, six point eight percent of your basket, and it's twenty percent of the economy. So how in God's name can it be six point eight percent of your basket? Especially for older people. Yeah, you know, people uh, at retirement age. I mean, they're using a lot more healthcare services for. So the CPI is not realistic for them at all. No, it, it absolutely is not. I, uh, so yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, and I, I always complain. I shouldn't. I already said earlier that if you and I use the CPI as an inflation indicator in a contract, we'd be screwed. Yeah, I think we'd be out of business yeah. percent, right? I mean, if, if we, when, what if we were billing... Percent or 
seven or eight percent a year. I mean, what if we were building houses or, or building railroad cars? I mean, I, I, I know that in this day's world, I mean, if, if I was writing a thing up, and my brother's actually really good at this because he worked for GATX, but I, we would we would have to use some kind of a blend of a metals index or a lumber index or something. We couldn't use a CPI. I mean, if we no. if we got a ten year contract, for God's sake, we 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 would make it to year five. I mean, what if we were building houses for God's sake? What, what's what's the cost in the last five years of building a house compared to what it was before? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be up fifty percent. No way you can use CPI. Yeah, and these these guys are. It's got to be up fifty percent, and these guys are saying it's up it's up you know three percent or something or eight. Good luck with that. I mean, uh, even though the lumber's come down some, but still, it's it's way above what it was. I mean, you know, I just, well, when the Fed creates money, the people that benefit from it are people who uh, work in government, financial, uh, Wall Street, and corporate sectors. They get this uninflated money first, this newly printed money first, and then that they spend that money on assets where the prices haven't adjusted up yet, and that spending we get it after they make those purchases and those additional that additional spending is what drives the infl- the prices to go up, right? They bid prices up. And it's like a guy from California that here's a great analogy. You sell your house in California, you had eight hundred thousand dollars in equity, you go to Idaho and you buy a house for cash for four hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. That's basically what the Fed does. It gives the money to the people in government, financial sector and the corporate sectors first. And they have all this new newly printed money, and they go out and make purchases before the prices go up. And they think they're bargains, right? They think they're bargains. Because they got all this free money. And by the time that money trickles down to us, <clears throat> our wages haven't risen, right. but the prices have all been jacked up. Have you and that's been, all right. Kills you, the poor and the middle class. Have you been keeping your eye on these... Uh this railroad strike issue and some of these other union contracts. I don't see one of these contracts. Yeah, I, I just saw something in my Twitter feed about the, the railroad strike. I just saw something there. I, yeah. I, I didn't have a chance to read it. Well, they're going to end up uh, the package. Now, I don't think they've had a contract for two years, maybe. So there's been no raise that, I, that I've not read every oh, single Oh, they're getting word. pummeled then. They're getting, they're getting pummeled. So now they're, yeah. now they're talking about a 14% raise coming out of the gate with another, like, I don't know, something... Over well, inflation's at least forty percent over the last two years, so they they would need more than fourteen percent. Uh, yeah, keep up. Well, yeah. Caterp- Caterpillar here was a Caterpillar. Some of these guys, they just got five percent for the next a year for the next three years, or five point five. And I'm going, you just signed yourself into a inf- uh, recession for God's sake. I mean, yeah. Yeah. but I mean it's but it's happening all over. I don't see, and I and I, you know they're not giving me the details, and I don't even know if the reporters writing the articles know enough to ask. But I haven't seen one. With a with an escalation clause of you? No, I've I haven't been paying attention to that. But you know, in Utah, <clears throat> you don't really need the union if you're a fast food worker because in order to get fast food workers to work an hour of, they'd have to pay at least fifteen bucks an hour in many of these restaurants, fifteen sixteen dollars an hour, and that's way above the federal minimum wage. So if you don't have a wage contract and you have the ability to move from company to company like the tech people do. Tech people in Utah, they'll work for a company for two years without a union contract. They'll work as a professional IT person writing code or building apps. And then to get a pay raise, they'll hop to a new company oh, yeah. and they'll get a massive increase in their pay. So they don't, they don't need that union contract. That union contract can lock you in, especially in, in a period of inflation where they underreport it with the CPI. It can really hurt you like it apparently is doing in railroad. Well, I'm saying they don't have one. I mean, in my day, when I was doing yeah. this stuff, 
everybody had one, and and you could sort of yeah. believe the CPI back then. But the uh, I'm saying I, no, yeah, I don't you see, can't believe it today. There's no way you can believe it today. But I, but I don't see any one of these unions even keeping track or keep keeping even. Yeah. I mean, why? The last thing you want is a is a four percent raise for the next three years, for God's sake. Well, it's well, better nothing. You know, honestly, but, I think union leadership represents. They're more concerned with their political ties than they are with their members. I don't. I don't. I think there's more loyalty politically with their the party that they support than there is to their members. I, I don't. Think I, don't there's, I don't think I they think have the any partnership pro- between government and these union leaders is too strong. I don't think they have any. Uh, they, they don't have any power anymore. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, they, they. Well, I think politically they do because uh, you know they they give lots of money to the Democrats, and I think they they you know like the teachers unions, they they give almost well, I, all their money to yeah, uh, unless I'm so I'm splitting off between you know, like Utah. Yeah, but I'm splitting yeah. off between the public unions, which I'm not even sure they should be enabled, but that's another story. But the private unions, I think, have no power. Not like yeah. they used to have. Well, the public unions. The funny thing about the public unions is. If you're a, a government worker, you really need a union because it's almost impossible to fire you, especially in the federal government where there's a law that doesn't allow presidents to fire members of the bureaucracy, right? So why would a, a federal employee actually even need a union? Well, because the union... I mean, it's probably, almost impossible to fire them. Yeah, but the union union probably got the law or the rule. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I don't... But the difference... They're, they're, the Chicago's Teachers Union, their power is not in the strike line it's in the ballot box so it's never yeah. it's, oh, yeah. it's never an arm's length transaction but you're talking about you know the, the the line workers at caterpillar versus caterpillar you don't have any of that i mean it's 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 yeah. they're yeah. they're fighting over a piece of the pie right yeah so are are well, you the, uh, caterpillar is also having to deal with these uh, new regulations you know you yeah. know california's going to outlaw gasoline Powered cars. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the a few years. Of, I'm gonna take a decade. You know, was it three weeks later? They said you can't. You're not supposed to charge your electric car during the day because there's only power. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, brownouts. Could it, California the, said brownouts for 20, 30 years, right? During the day, during the yeah. summer, and they want everybody to switch over to electric car that they won't be able to charge during a brownout. Do, do you do you have to go get a lobotomy before you become a state senator or governor out there? <laughs> oh, I, mean, I think a lobotomy is necessary requirement to get a job as a politician. Um, boy, it could very well be. Uh, anyway, SP Futures now down ninety two. This this number was not that big of a shocker, Al. For us to this is a hundred and twenty point move in them in the S and P's. Wow. And, and they, they, well, they well missed, I think what's happening because the inflation rate is staying elevated, right? Yeah. If it's staying elevated, then what is the Fed going to do? Right? I think I think traders are looking at what the Fed is going to continue to do. Well, all the, the talking heads in the last few days had inflation absolutely over, and the Fed not doing anything after this month. And obviously, that yeah. that that has changed. Anyway, Hal, thank you. We're down ninety five fifty now. Wow, and we're still going down. Uh, SP, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Stocks and Jacks. Where's the money, Lebowski? Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. 
back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.